You're listening to the SEO for Photographers podcast by Fuel Your Photos. In each episode, Dylan and Corey discuss topics that will help you get more clicks from Google. Ready to rank? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode 41 of the SEO for Photographers podcast with your hosts, Dylan and Corey from Fuel Your Photos. Today, we're going to be talking about website platforms. We've talked about this some in the past, but today we really want to give you a framework for thinking through what makes a platform good or bad for SEO. And what we often see in our groups is someone asking, is X platform good for SEO? And then other people chime in and say, I'm on that platform and I have great rankings. Or I was on that platform and I hated it and had terrible rankings. And so many people are just basing their judgment of a platform and its SEO abilities all on the experiences of a few other people. And that's not always the best way to do it. And since Dylan and I are constantly working with photographers and have looked at thousands and thousands of photography websites, we have a broad range of knowledge about the typical photographer experience on pretty much all of the major platforms for photographers today. We're going to try to break down some of that knowledge into categories so that you can think through uh, the pros and cons of uh, all of the different platforms and to make the right choice for yourself. So Dylan, why don't you give us a little bit of a disclaimer here at the beginning about uh, how maybe all platforms can have you know good things and bad things. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I just want people to realize that you can be on like the best, most like extremely optimized SEO platform and you, you'll, you could still see no results from, from your SEO efforts if you don't do the proper work, don't have the right content, uh, don't have it well optimized yourself. Um, and so you could be on like this rocket ship of a platform, but it's just doing nothing for you. And likewise, you could be on like the absolute jankiest worst platform and still piece together a website that, might give you act like outstanding results. Um, and it might be because you're having to work extraordinarily hard in other areas or in other ways. But so I think that's kind of why we see those posts in the group where people disagree with somebody's feeling about a certain platform. And they're like, no, like I've actually had really great results on this bad platform or, or really poor results on this great platform. Um, and it's, it's because there are more factors. Yeah. Uh, but this episode, we really just want to say, if we account for all of those outside variables, like how much work you're going to do, what your content actually looks like, et cetera, what results would you see generally? And that's kind of what the decision you want to make. Do you mind if I make a few comments right here up front about uh, WordPress and show it specifically? Sure. (laughs) Okay. So uh, in our group, we've kind of made this reputation for being against show it. I'm doing air quotes here. Um, And uh, in fact, you can find some posts where we pretty strongly speak against show it. Um, but generally the, the reasoning behind that is because we feel that often, uh, designers, um, people who are educators, other photographers who will promote show it are maybe not painting the full picture. And they're saying things that we believe to be inaccurate based on our personal testing or experience with other students or not reflective of the typical experience. Okay. So we're not against show it. Uh, I want to make that really clear because we have so many people in our group who are show it users and love the platform. And the people that I know who love the platform and take the time to understand how to use it are still able to use it well and 
Um, there may still be some pros and cons that we want to think about, and we'll get to that. But just know that we're not like anti any platform. Um, well, I, mean, I shouldn't say that. Maybe there are some, but <laughs> we're going to try to be more neutral. Uh, and then I will say for WordPress, it, it often gets used as a platform, but it's not really like that, in my opinion. Uh, WordPress is not a platform. It's software that third parties can use to build platforms. And so in my opinion, um, I know FlowThemes is kind of out of the picture at this point, but FlowThemes <laughs> yeah. was a platform. Right. Divi is a platform. Elementor is a platform. Cadence is sort of like a platform. Um, so when I think of WordPress and how to compare, uh, a lot of times people who chime in on any of the threads that we have about WordPress are talking about an experience with a specific flavor of WordPress, a specific WordPress stack, and often it is quite outdated, right? It's something that's from Theme Forest, it's something that is an old Divi theme, something that's built with uh, advanced custom fields, and the only way to edit it is in like these weird gray blocks that you can't see anything you're doing. That's a very normal experience for WordPress, especially more than five years ago. Uh, but that's not really how it is now. And again, it, one WordPress experience is not going to be the same as another. So when we talk about platforms, when I think of the WordPress category of platforms, I would like to have people think about that as each third-party developer who builds a main you know, ecosystem for people to use uh, WordPress. Hopefully that makes sense. Totally. I think even, it does. Even the, even the hosting can kind of yeah. make a difference in the WordPress platform. So we have a, a whole um, episode and uh, blog post that summarizes our recommendation for WordPress stack. So if you want to dig into that conversation more, go check out that. And I think you'll find it fascinating. Awesome. So where do we want to start? I think, I think a good place to start is when we're thinking about platforms, we really need to start by asking what type of SEO tasks and strategies am I actually going to implement in my business? Right. Like, what do you think you're actually going to do? Because SEO is so broad. It touches so many different parts of a marketing plan. Um, so give me some examples, Dylan. What, what are some things that you might do or strategies you might use that might be uh, impacted by platform? Totally. I would say that most photographers can kind of look at two separate strategies, that they, and they might do both, but it would be content marketing. So really leveraging the content on your blog um, to maybe make like well-researched informational content that is useful for people planning their photo shoots, uh, potential clients. Uh, so that's one strategy that works really well. Another would just be simple, like local SEO. And so maybe you're making landing pages for each of your locations slash specialties and just ranking those as like little doorways for your business that they're kind of maybe like your homepage a little bit where they show some portfolio, talk about their services, maybe mention pricing and reviews and et cetera, FAQs. Uh, and that, that would be like a traditional SEO. Like if, if you hired an SEO firm and they're used to working with plumbers or something, they might set you up with a strategy like that. Yeah, I think it's really important to bring that up because I think when most photographers who are starting out and don't really know a lot about SEO are asking which platform is good for SEO. What they're really asking is, will this platform let me rank for something like Portland Wedding Photographer? And for the most part, that's what they think of when they think of SEO. And I know that for me at least, the most success I've ever had, and I don't I think you would say the exact same thing, has been through creating 
long form content. It's been through creating blog posts and resources that are helpful and dynamic and interesting that solve problems for people um, that aren't always related to the primary keywords that photographers might think that they're trying to rank for. So I don't know. I feel like those are, yeah. if you're not going to be someone who's going to do that, like if you're never, if you just know you're not going to be a writer, you're not going to be a blogger, you're not going to use your site to write useful, informative content. You're not going to share your opinions and expertise. You just know you're never going to do that. And all you want to do is rank for Portland wedding photographer. Well, first of all, you might have a difficult time <laughs> in 2024, <laughs> but totally. um, you know, the platform choice is going to be a different one for you. Yeah. Or it might be less relevant. I think on almost all platforms, like creating that simple, basic type of page is completely doable. And a lot of the the downsides that we see on most platforms don't really affect that as much. Yeah. And I would add one more thing. You know, you mentioned content marketing and kind of the typical local SEO. Um, I would say that a lot of photographers are going to kind of go after a authority approach and not just backlinks, but the idea of being featured and showing up in publications and things like that. In those cases, you know, maybe it's more important that you think about uh, displaying a portfolio Mm -hmm. or highlighting your features or something like that instead of the typical on-page optimizations. Exactly. Completely agree. Yeah. So first Uh, of all, I guess that's the main point is just understand what kinds of things you're going to be doing with your website and know that you'll need to have some idea before you choose your platform to be able to ask the questions of whether or not it's going to be easy to do those things. Right. So let's dive in. Uh, let's say that they're, they're ready to start asking those questions. Uh, what, what types of options should they be looking for, for like basic on page optimizations that the platform should provide? Yeah, actually, let's start. Let's break it into two categories. So okay. first of all, there will be platform settings. And then second, there will be page specific settings. So okay. you want to jump in on platform? Like what should a platform option or what should a platform offer for SEO options? Like we have in our course, for example, we have um, platform specific settings as a lesson. And you can kind of choose your adventure in that lesson and pick which platform you're on. And each of the platforms that we list there gives all of the settings that you should go into. Like if you go on your platform and look in the settings um, area, then you're probably going to find some options that affect the entire site. What kinds of things should you be looking for or expecting or would be optimal for a platform to provide? Yeah. So I think for, for photographers, image handling is pretty important. So that might be everything from how the images are compressed and sized to file name handling and alt text. Um, those are all fairly important. Although in my opinion, after looking at what photographer websites for a decade now, uh, the traffic people see from image results is very like inconsequential, but anyways, uh, actually let me add one more thing to the images. Um, totally. I I think that it's pretty common for certain platforms to cause problems for photographers because of how many images they upload. Uh, This was in the past a really common issue with WordPress where you have what are called attachment pages. Um, Every time you upload an image and by default, WordPress was creating an attachment page, which was a separate URL that could be indexed. Uh, And so if you didn't have an SEO plugin to handle this, I believe this is all fixed with WordPress core now, by the way, but it, um, it, it was a thing. 
it's also been something that I've seen with um, Wix. If you make certain kinds of galleries, um, I've seen someone who had like 50 or 100 images in a gallery and every one of those created a, it was like a dynamically generated URL, but they were indexable and there was no way to no index them. And so you would have hundreds of URLs indexed that were low quality pages that you had no control over fixing. Yeah. Still could be a thing on other platforms. Totally. You also might have newer image file formats that Mm. are file types that aren't really supported by many platforms. Yeah. Um, So a lot of people that are used to throwing their website into a tool like PageSpeed Insights and getting recommendations on how to make their site faster, they're always asking for those more modern formats and some platforms just do not support them at all. So how would you look into that? Like, do you have any tips on how to know whether a platform is using modern file formats or which ones they should be using? Yeah, I think I I would first search their site to see if they mention that. Uh, So like search WebP or something like that. Uh, Sometimes looking through the support forum. So like Squarespace has a decent support forum that's searchable and indexed in Google. So you can search for common issues. And it's somewhat frustrating because you can also see issues that have existed for five plus years and <laughs> haven't seen any work or changes. Uh, at, outside of that, you might have to search Facebook groups for people asking about a certain feature. Many of these platforms have either their own public groups or like user created public groups. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned um, web or PageSpeed Insights, and we'll talk more yeah. later about some tools that you can use for inspecting things. But uh, just to really quickly touch on the format. So you mentioned WebP. Would you say that WebP is the standard right now for image display on the web? I think it's kind of winning out. Um, I had doubts for many years, and I've, I'm, I'm starting to come around with the fact that it's making my sites faster, mm-hmm. and there are much better tools for implementing it okay. um, on most or some platforms, <laughs> I, would, yeah. I should say. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good to know. So that might be something that you look into. Does my platform allow me to use or serve WebP as a file format like JPEG images? Um, yeah. So a question you should ask. Totally. All right. So then we have image handling. What's next? Let's. I, I always like to look at titles. I feel like titles are such an important piece of SEO that if you can't handle your titles properly and set like a really nice template for them site-wide maybe override them on each post um, or page, uh, you're going to have problems. Mm. And so checking to see that you have a well-set-up title format like, is, is pretty key. Yeah, this is something that was really a big issue with Pixie Set. I need to recheck again. <laughs> I know that I talked <laughs> to them maybe six months ago, and we actually had a good conversation with some of the developers and discussed some of the reasons why they were handling it improperly, and they said they would fix it because they agreed. Um, and a few months later, they still hadn't, and I was kind of giving up hope. But I looked at a site on Pixie Set the other day, and it seemed to be fixed at a glance. I'll have to check nice. into it. But the problem was, um, when you set your site name, it would append that to every single page. And there was no way to set a homepage title that was different than your site name. So whatever you wanted to use as your homepage title was absolutely had to be appended to every other site title. And if you knew anything about SEO, keyword cannibalization, um, you know that's a really bad thing. <laughs> so yeah. it, it is still possible for some of the major platforms to have issues like that where um, setting the site-wide template uh, appends it in places that you don't mean to or doesn't give you an override on, on the page itself. Yeah. 
I think next after that, I would look at category and tag archives. Um, many of the platforms give you the possibility to add categories and tags to your posts and create an archive based on those, but you probably don't want them indexed by Google. Uh, I remember this was, I think, our first YouTube video that we made when Squarespace added this feature, and overnight it made hundreds or thousands of category or tag archives for all of these photographers' websites, and most of them did not want those to be indexed. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I think it's it's a it's a possibility on most platforms, but not all. And it's something that we just would like to see um, some control over. So and, and and even we say categories and tags, but, you know, we're, we think of things like on Squarespace, you have collections uh, mm -hmm. on Webflow. You can build all kinds of different custom content types on WordPress. You can build custom post types, uh, the ability to manage the indexation across a post type is actually more important uh, than you might think, at least with, when you get into advanced usage. I, I know, for yeah. example, on my site, I do consulting calls, right? And so I have a, cat or a post type for recordings. And I don't want those recordings to ever show up in search engines. I don't want anyone to find them. They just have a random number generator to, to make the URLs. Um, and I actually was able to pretty easily just set no index across that entire post type. Um, that's really handy whenever you want to do things like that. And we'll talk about that a yeah. little bit more with the page-specific index indexation control. But um, for the platform, it should give you control over entire collections or taxonomies, which are categories mm -hmm. and tags and things like that, um, and the ability to no index them. I also see that often on like slideshows, galleries, or if people have an e-commerce store set up on their platform, um, often they'll have like all of the products and the categories of products and everything indexed and they didn't realize that. Yep, exactly. Uh, what right. else I, is platform specific I think next platform wide? Yeah, we'd want to see a nice well-formatted sitemap. <laughs> uh, it's a very simple thing to pull off from a technology, like technology standpoint these days, yep. but still some platforms don't really nail the mark there. Um, Almost all of them that I can think of have a site map, but some site maps are better than others. Hmm. What would you do? You have any examples of what a good site map would look like? Yeah, so you can you can look at Google's best practices, but I would want to see uh, pages. All I would want to see all of your pages and posts included. If you have custom post types or anything like that, it would be nice if they're all separated by uh, the custom post type. Um, that gives people the granular detail of which sections of their website are indexed and how in Search Console, which is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. uh, outside of that, I'd want to see, like, for photographers, the images for each of those posts to be included in that post's listing. Mm -hmm. uh, something that Show It doesn't do at all. Show It um, sitemaps are abysmal. I don't understand. They're probably why. the worst. It's like it's, that. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. And I want to, I just want to be clear here. I think for most photographers, I think I've said this on another episode. No, I think it was on a, a live video we did with someone. But I don't think that sitemaps are something that's like this key to SEO. It's it's one of those. No. It's like it's a nice thing that can really help you in very specific scenarios. And I don't know, accessibility, like for Google to know that the pages exist without you having to go and submit them manually, it's yeah. really nice. It just It's like an auto-submit to Google feature, right? Exactly. It, it's nice. But 
it, you know, even the ones that are abysmal on show it that I'm talking about, I'm mostly complaining about the fact that if I want to go diagnose something for someone and read through the sitemap, it's not human readable at all. No. Um, and you have to I, be the source. <laughs> exactly. And I like to see a human readable sitemap. And, and, you know, yeah. you know, even the ability to have an HTML sitemap is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, but at minimum, like personally, I actually like the Yoast sitemaps. I think they're yeah. my favorite as far as the formatting goes. It breaks them they're down great. into post type and you click it and it shows you all the post of that post type. And yeah. I think that's nice. So totally. Yeah. I think uh, from a Google standpoint, and like you said, there's a lot of myths surrounding sitemaps. Google just needs to have a URL for your new poster page. They'll go crawl it. Right. Uh, outside of that, there's no like ranking difference. But if you give them a last mod date, they're actually supposedly using those again to see like, okay, do we actually care to go crawl this page or post again? Has it been updated or changed? Yeah. Or can we like not crawl that for a few weeks or months or years or however long between crawling that page? Because it hasn't um, been modified. It's like if Google trusts your sitemaps, then... Yeah. It, it can be really nice that, you know, you just have a tool that's doing, it's telling Google to do exactly what you want to do, and then they're honoring it. Yep, exactly. All right. After that, we have schema, which is a, it could be a big topic and it could get somewhat technical, but I think in general, it's just some sort of structured data that's readable by computers that tells Google or other search engines something about your business in a standardized way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could be as easy as like local business schema that tells Google your hours and your location and your, I guess, reviews, not really average Depends. reviews. It happens, candy. but not, not yeah, typical photographers. Yeah. Um, things like that or article schema will tell them the title and the author and the featured image and that kind of thing. Um, those can be really nice to be included by your platform. Um, I'm so most, torn on schema. Yeah. I, I feel like for for years I've been saying, you know, a lot of people talk about schema in SEO articles and tips and make it sound like this kind of complicated thing. I think it makes people sound smart or yeah. it confuses people enough to be like, okay, these guys know what they're talking about. Right. I, always tried to avoid that because for the most part, if you like go to Google and search for Google search gallery, um, they'll bring up a, a list of types of features that often are impacted or influenced by schema. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like what some people think. In fact, we, you know, I think we saw something about this in one of our groups lately. It's like feature snippets have really very little to do with schema in my opinion. Yeah, totally. Um, but there are some nuanced situations where you might want to have the ability at least to add some sort of specific schema. I will say that. And... My, the reason I'm so torn is because I believe that it may be very important in the future uh, yeah. with AI and the way that they're going to be crawling, accessing, diagnosing, you know, understanding pages. Maybe schema is something that lets AI have a significantly higher confidence in recommending a page for a certain reason. So looking forward maybe schema becomes something that's very important for platforms. And I would hope at that point that more of them make it a standard um, editable field, sort of like they would with the title and meta description right now. Yeah. Uh, but who knows what we'll see there. I think it comes back to my general theory on everything that, how that relates to Google. Like if it's not visible to the end user, Google can't trust it as much. Right. And so if your scheme is just embedded 
people will find a way to stuff it with the right code or content or whatever to make it impact their rankings in a way that would be positive. And then Google just can't trust it for anybody. So, yep. But if it aligns revert. with the things that they already know and it gives them a higher yep. confidence score, that's usually right. a good thing. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so outside of the, the platform settings, so those the things we've been talking about so far are generally handled at a platform level. Like I said, in the settings area of your, your platform, you'll often find something about SEO or um, you know something like that. But what about on the page level? When you're editing a page or a post, what options should you look for to be able to optimize it um, pretty well? Yeah, I, I generally want to make sure that the heading structure is able to be edited distinct from the styling okay. or separate from the styling. Interesting. Yeah. So you might want to keep your really big title and maybe have some other text right below that that's styled in a certain, maybe a different font. Um, but you're not using your headings in a way that go against like SEO best practices. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because I, I've kind of aligned both my aesthetic and SEO, like in my opinion, for me, if I'm doing the SEO properly, it also looks proper. Right. Uh, yeah. They're like those they're very... simple, practical sites that are yep. easy to skim, easy to read, often large fonts, lots of white space. Like that, that design trend to me yeah. is the right one. Totally. And it's also really like, good for SEO generally. I'm not setting my H3s to like some script cursive font just so it looks cool, but isn't like not readable by users or, and I don't know. That's that's just me. Um, okay, so let's for for headings. Let's actually cover that a little bit more in a minute. Let's talk about templates after this. But yeah, so, uh, at the page SEO settings level, what are you expecting yeah. to find? Well, let's just Gosh. start with the, the sure. basics. You kind of mentioned them there, but basically, yeah. you need to be able to set a um, title and meta description um, for oh, each yeah. page and be able to override the the templates that you might have set at the platform level. Yep. Um, you might want to be able to change the URL if you want yes. to optimize and add some sort of keyword to the slug or just make it shorter so that it doesn't automatically use some really long title that you might have written. Um, <laughs> indexation control. So we, th- we talked about this and I said we've kind of come back to it. We're talking about no indexing across the site. Um, I believe that any page or post should have the ability to turn it on or off in search engines. Um, yep. And while this is pretty common across platforms it's not as straightforward as it seems some platforms won't let you no index a specific page at all on uh, squarespace it, have they updated the thing about posts i don't think you can no index I, posts i don't think so yet you can pages uh, yep. on show it you can no index pages and you can no index blog posts with um, a seo plugin mm-hmm. um, on wordpress any seo plugin will allow you to no index any piece of content um, and that's how I feel like it should be. And I was looking at a platform recently with someone and I was actually pretty impressed. I can't remember the name of the overall platform, um, but I was talking with uh, Jeff from Lead Savage and we were kind of looking over Lead Savage to see was it good for SEO. And I was pretty impressed with the options that they had. Um, and it, I was just thinking through what would I want to see here? And that was one thing I was missing was like a page level indexation control can i just say i want this to be something i use in marketing campaigns but i don't want google to see it or i want to show this to my clients but i never want it to show up in google searches Um, that ability to no index an individual piece of content in my opinion is pretty important i wish that was in wordpress core i maybe maybe i'll agree dude i don't know why it's not (laughs) 
it's so it's it's such a common tool that people need to use and with most seo plugins in wordpress it's like you have to go to the advanced tab and right like it's not an it's advanced really, setting <laughs> no it's like i like i mean everything. show it has it as a checkbox at the bottom i think it's an advanced too though you sure know, it's like it's that's how it should be it should be like a, yeah. a little checkbox or something that says don't show this in search don't engines. show right and, uh, yeah that's, pr- that's pretty important i think yeah uh, and then just, like the just for the management, of, like keeping your site clean, like we want to yeah. make sure that we're not showing Google. There's a lot of reasons you might want to make pages that you don't want to show Google or posts. Maybe even we had a whole episode about blogging with a twist. And we talked about uh, blogging your client work and maybe even no indexing your client work in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, and so the ability to do that across uh, uh, an entire post type is one thing, but then at least being able to do it at the page level, I think is pretty important. It seems trivial but i can't tell you how many sites i've looked at where there's just dozens of pages that scream low quality and i feel like that has to impact google's evaluation of the site yeah i mean i I feel like it's on every consult we find at least 10 uh and it might be demo content from their template it might be old blog posts that are outdated it could be like something they're testing out yeah yeah. And then I think the things like social share images, OG or open graph data, mm-hmm. Twitter cards, um, you, you can even get really advanced with uh, things like I've noticed in Discord when you share links, yeah. you can use a, a GIF, like an animated um, yeah. share image. It's um, so nice. So the ability to influence that per platform especially as we see kind of new sorts of messengers and social platforms and things like that. Um, it would be nice to have that kind of control. And one thing I love about WordPress is that if there's something new out there, someone made a plugin for it. And uh, exactly. you can always add the capabilities, even if the major SEO plugins don't have them, but most of them have a lot of options. Um, you know, by default, Yoast is going to have all open graph, Twitter, um, schema, uh, all of this stuff that we've talked about will be available on every page. So that's always yeah. nice. Yeah. And I think that social share image is important if you want like Google discover traffic. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd have point. to, I'd have to look up the rule again, but it needs to be like the size of a Twitter, like a large Twitter card. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, if it doesn't have that, I think it tries to default to the OG image or the featured image. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might not, you know, it might not be, it might not qualify in those situations. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I feel like that's at... pretty good for um, the, we're talking about platform options. We've talked about page um, specific options. All right. So you started getting into the heading structure and I feel like this yeah. is a really fun part of this conversation. I was walking someone through this on a, a consult the other day and just talking about, they were asking about whether Squarespace would be um, feasible for going through our course. And it's exactly what you were mentioning about the styling staying separate from the structure. And most platforms make that relatively straightforward. I should say most. Um, Show it and WordPress both make it WordPress I'm using as a platform. WordPress with Cadence, WordPress with most modern block builders make it easy for you to change the um, type of text tag that is being used on a text block whether that be paragraph or H1 through 6 or span or div, um, you can usually change that pretty easily and still change the styling. Whereas right. on Squarespace, at least, 
uh, on the typical 7.0. I haven't tested thoroughly with 7.1 and fluid, fluid engine. I meant to do some research to find out. And someone let me know in the comments if this is completely different now. But I know that I've had many problems in the past with Squarespace where I told people I needed them to change their heading structure. They go in and they change it, but then they have no options to change the style of that text without using CSS. Right. Or like a lot of their standard templates have like an H1 tag over the logo or something Mm -hmm. like by default. (laughs) Yeah. Just this in general, I guess this is a good question. What templates are available and what Mm -hmm. templates are kind of the standard options for your platform? If you're thinking about what's good for SEO, um, I think how I mentioned earlier, we're thinking about what's the typical experience, right? And I think for most people, when you first get started with a platform, you're going to choose one of the templates or options that it kind of walks you through in the setup or that is available to you for free or that you found appealing um, when you were in a, a marketplace of templates. So, you know, looking through those and seeing, I guess you need some ideas of how to analyze a template. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll talk so about that with some tools, but it is a really totally. important part. And I think just like to briefly talk about my over, my my process when somebody asks me like, hey, is this platform good for SEO? Is I go look at the platform website and I check, kind of check out its features. And then I look at like the templates that they offer by default. And I try to look at their demo pages and see how they're set up. Mm-hmm. And then I look at like third-party templates that might be built upon it. And then finally, I look, go look at like real photographer sites using the platform. And right. I think... Yeah. Because they need to be published for you to run them through some of the tools that you can use to check. Yep. Yep. Often the demos will work. Sometimes the demos are no indexed or blocked by robots or something. Yeah. But, um, okay, so headings in the templates are important. Yeah. Um, Usually, like I said, usually you'll be able to kind of impact your, your heading structure through the builder. Sometimes it's a little bit weird, and that can impact your ability to really optimize the on page part of your content but what else is the first I really like to go yeah i like to see how responsive they are uh, what's i think somewhat difficult unless the platform offers you a demo it's hard to see how difficult it is to make the design shown responsive so on some platforms you have to completely build both your desktop and mobile versions of your site and it, it can give an okay user experience, but it requires a lot of extra work. Um, so it's it's good to try to get an idea of like what does the backend editing experience look like to make that responsive layout. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like that responsive building or even just you know, whatever the mobile view is, um, it's this is such an interesting part of platform decision, I think. And unfortunately... I would say it's one of the biggest cons of WordPress. I hate saying this, but even even the newer stuff, like the, the full site editor and the way that I feel like they've done a better job of showing you a responsive preview, what you see in the editor does not always align with what it looks like on the front end. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's a little bit frustrating. I can understand why it's like that in the cases where I run across that, but it's still not a like a simple build this like it's going to look on mobile and then that's what you get on mobile. I think show it. That's one of the things that people love the most about it is they show you a desktop preview and mobile preview side by side and you can Mm -hmm. drag and drop things differently so that they're exactly like you want them on the device. 
Although, I will say, <laughs> it doesn't always look like that in all browsers. <laughs> and no, I found a lot of problems at with all. that. But I think at least the design part of it's easier. There's also like a, a nuance with what you said. You said you can drag and drop. You have to drag. Like you that's have to true. make a mobile version. <laughs> right. It's not going to just like stack in a way that... I mean, that's the whole point of grids, right? Like if yeah. we have grids, then we have at least some idea of the default stacking options. Like what should this, how should this behave if it gets really small or really large and being able to set parameters and rules, uh, things like max width or things like the stacking order or all of the Flexbox tools that you can use for um, stacking and uh, grids are a beautiful thing when it comes to design for the web and especially for use across multiple devices and just being able to understand how the modern web works and how browsers render this content. It's, it's advanced. I don't think most photographers are going to really get into that. There will be some, and and some of the designers that work with photographers will definitely understand these things. But all of that to say, I believe that working with a grid based system, something that forces you into rows and columns instead of allowing you to break all of the, grids just arbitrarily place <laughs> it's actually probably a good thing i feel like drag yeah. and drop often leads to poor performance and poor um code output oh okay all the time like <laughs> i never see like a experienced developer that's like i'm just gonna place all of this stuff randomly because that's what the design looks like they they always build to a, a modern grid and typically use css flex and yeah yeah. All right. Um, so, so headings, responsiveness. Anything else about templates? Gosh, I, I think you should talk I a little mean, bit about your stuff, your work with Sitesy here. Like the yeah, fact that I mean, you have templates that are, they actually have an SEO plan built into them. Right. I mean, that's that's a huge benefit where we we kind of just take what we what we teach with the course and build them into these templates. Uh, but it's even like all of the little details. Like there are ways to accidentally get rid of pagination on your blog archives using cadence we make sure that we don't lose that (laughs) like just every little detail that i can think of from an internal linking perspective and uh, like do we show author names do we show last mod dates etc like I, i just want these to all be as optimal as possible and those are template level decisions that i think are kind of just common oversights by most at least the designers for photography themes. Um, I think they, they purely look at what is beautiful and clean and simple or what do they know how to create. And they kind of don't either don't know or don't care about many of the factors that we think are important for SEO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. Um, I I guess one thing I would ask or bring up here kind of as a, (laughs) I don't even know if I want to go here, but let's just see what happens. Sure. I've seen some show it templates that claim to be built intentionally for an SEO strategy. What are your thoughts about that? Anything we should say about that in general? Um, hmm. <laughs> That's so tricky. It, it's, it's hard to stay positive. Like I, I, I just, I have never seen a show it template that is going to give you an advantage in a head-to-head SEO scenario against another platform. Like 
you're you're picking the Ford Taurus and you're trying to go up against potentially a Ferrari. Like no matter how pretty the paint job is on that Ford Taurus, you're not going to win. Right. And to sell that specifically as an SEO optimized template, I think is just like an abuse of marketing. I, I don't know. It's, uh, I know it's I, so, maybe we shouldn't talk about it, but, but yeah, it's fine. Uh, I don't want to get, I don't want to rant, but it, it, it's, it's one of those things where we need to go back to the first question we were asking, which was what type of, uh, strategies would you like to implement? Because yeah. if it's simply build out a few pages for a few locations and specialties to rank for the main photography related keywords in your area. And especially if your area is or specialty is not ultra competitive. Right. I, I think that say, a lot of these yeah. templates that you'll find on Squarespace and show it, um, and even pixie set potentially could probably do okay for that. If that's all you're talking sure. about. And again, if it's not ultra competitive. Yeah. I, like small town maternity photographer, it doesn't really matter. Like Wix is probably going to beat all of those. Uh, I don't know. It's just platform becomes less of an issue if your competition is like a 14 year old outdated website that hasn't had a new photo put on it since then. and has a broken title tag. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I, I just feel like the, there are the cases where I do see someone who is using show it and they did go with one of these um, companies that claimed that they have great SEO and they're in a very competitive market for something like weddings and they're ranking on the first page and they're, they're a case study for backing up the claims that we're saying are, that shouldn't be true. How, why is that? I know it's almost, a dynamic question, right. but <laughs> I mean, it, it almost always comes to like what off site signals is Google seeing about that brand? Like, uh, do they have 300 people per day searching their name? Uh, like a Jasmine star or something, uh, back in the day. <laughs> outdated reference um do they have backlinks from every major publication like did they just win an award that was featured on the front page of msnbc and yahoo news yeah. um i don't know it's there are so many factors out like they could be ranking with their show at site not because of their show at site i think that's very often the case and i do believe this is going to make me, I don't know. I feel like it depends on who's listening to this episode. I think there's some element of randomization in Google rankings. Like I really do think that sometimes Google will try something randomly. And I mean, as long as it fits within certain parameters, right? I'm not saying complete randomness. And if it's doing well, they'll keep it there. Um, I don't know. That's a yeah. little bit of a... I mean, there are patents that show that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a vague yeah. statement, though. You know, and I think yeah. that it's it's hard to say. I've, I've seen a few cases where I'm like, well, I can only say that's a fluke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty Completely. much all it is. Uh, that's why whenever we talk about these kinds of things, we're trying to say, um, you know, this is built in such a way that we believe that the typical experience will be positive over time based on what we've seen historically. That's all we can do, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, at so scale. <laughs> exactly, at scale. Not just in one example, but across all kinds of markets and photographers and you know all different experiences. Yeah. Um, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, like one last piece that you should look at for your platform. I guess not one last piece. We're going to talk about some more, but the idea of like data ownership. Um, 
I think a lot of people that are in our audience have just gone through this flow themes debacle mm. where they're realizing that all of the content that they've created using a proprietary editor doesn't matter if the company that supports that editor goes away. Yep. Um, and so what I think that everybody should look at their platform as not being this like forever choice that even if like for me, I I'm on team WordPress at the moment, but I should never be looking at this. Like I'm always, I'm going to have this WordPress site when I'm 85. Yeah. I should be thinking, will this data transport somewhere else? Can I manually back it up? Can I have a copy on my hard drive? Um, mm -hmm. Do I have access to my server if it goes down? <laughs> like, yep. uh, I think these are all questions you really need to look at when you're looking at different platforms. Man, I feel like this should be another episode as well. Like just a whole episode right. on data ownership because I could rant for hours, especially <laughs> after going to WordCamp. I will tell you, yeah. I, I've been on Team WordPress for a while, but I... Uh, I got a renewed love for WordPress when I went and realized that the reasons I love WordPress have very little to do with the technical capabilities and much more to do with the mission of the organization. The yeah. fact that they're trying to democratize publishing and this year one of their big missions is um, sort of giving back ownership to people and like really mm -hmm. showing people the thing you're talking about right now that you need to be able to own your data. And I think, you know, getting into that conversation, we could also get into the Fediverse because this also translates into, <laughs> into social media. Um, and do you own the content that you publish there? Um, right. And should you? And should you want to? And what does it mean? And what does it mean to be a responsible data owner? And yeah, all of those things. As you're thinking about platform, I guess there are some people who probably don't care that much about this, right? Yeah. I, I still, this kind of goes back to the last thing I was saying. Um, if you're only going to have 15 pages on your website and, and a gallery of images that you do have backed up in a folder on your hard drive, um, recreating that from scratch on a different platform, it's just not that big of a deal. You know, it's, you, you do own it. You can just copy and paste the, the content into a, a word doc or whatever, and right. you can move it anytime you want. I, I know I'm thinking of one photographer that's in our course. I guess I won't mention him. He, he's probably going to be on our podcast soon. I talked to him about it the other day. Nice. Um, and he's really gone all in on content. And I looked at some of the content he's written over the past year and I hadn't been keeping up fully, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my goodness, you have really built an amazing library of resources here that, I mean, it's dozens and dozens of posts and some of them are hundreds, if not thousands of words, uh, lots of intentionality behind the formatting and the internal linking and the URLs and everything, right? Migrating all of that can be a nightmare, you know? Yeah. You there? I mean, yeah. I'm, okay, just making sure I didn't I, you. I'm, I'm in the middle of that, doing that for a site C client, and it's uh, 350 posts, of which 130 are a custom post type that isn't exporting properly. Yeah, but just so, if you built yeah. that out and you spent <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of hours on, you know, really building this sort of, resource and kind of sharing your authority with the world, your expertise, your experience, your stories. That's, that's part of your legacy. You know, that's, right. that's huge. It's such an important thing to think through. If you want that, then yeah. I think to me, that's when it's like WordPress is clearly the option. And I've always wanted that. And that's why I'm yeah. such a WordPress advocate. But 
um, just know that sometimes it's not as simple as when someone says blogging. It's not as simple as just like write, posting your client sessions. Like, yes, yeah. um, PhotoBiz will let you do that and Squarespace will let you do that and you can clearly do that on, on Show It with WordPress. But do you have the control over the content and do you really get to back it up and move it and, and format it the way that you want? Not always. Yeah. I think another issue would be somewhat related, but just like technical support of your platform. Mm. Um, I, I think that there's a, a large portion of, sh- or it's probably a small portion of show it sites, but they, they have like outdated PHP. And so like when a, an update comes out to WordPress and it's applied to their site, like their site goes down. Yep. I think we saw like a month ago, there's a, a wave of sites going down in the show it groups and they're, their support like they have emergency support but it i think it takes the weekend off <laughs> and people's sites were down like over long weekends things like that um i think that this is also a, pl- a place where wordpress is not the monolith because it's going to depend so much on your hosting and their technical support mm-hmm. uh, or maybe even your theme company and their technical support and it you really have to look at your entire stack with wordpress and and evaluate the support you get at each level or if, or if you have somebody in place that can do support for you um yeah i feel like this can easily fall in the pro or con category yeah because it's like so do you want to have responsibility <laughs> if something goes wrong and also right. do you want to be able to have control if things yeah, go right. wrong you know like we had somebody in our course that was working on their site this week and they foretend their entire domain Whoops. Which is, uh, it tells Google that not only is this entire domain gone, but to delete it. It's <laughs> like gone permanently. Remove. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and they did that with just like an, ac- an accidental, I think it's actually a bug in one of their plugins. Um, but because we have the ability to log into their server, I could see his HD access file within, like he texted me and I was on it within like a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to just delete that instantly before it, like impacted his indexation or anything like that. Right. Whereas if you get a bug like that on some platforms, you might hear back from them in a few days. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, they might be able to find it and fix it, but there also might be a less likelihood of the issue being created in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always liked the ability to move between hosting companies with WordPress. Yeah. That's self-hosting to me, I say self-hosting, but you know what I mean? Um, yep. Being able to use your own, the choice your choice of hosts is an important thing because hosts do devolve over time in many cases. Yeah. yeah I was on Bluehost at first and then I was like, Oh my, this is terrible. <laughs> switched to SiteGround. It was great. And then all of a sudden it became like Bluehost. <laughs> and I switched right. to WPX and Cloudways. And even now WPX is not what it was when I first got on it. And Cloudways right. is, I think they've actually improved with their, uh, digital yeah. ocean, um, purchase, but, yeah, three years from now. I'm always weary. Who yep. knows? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I've had so much trouble with people still recommending SiteGround in the industry as of late. I have nothing but bad experiences from the last like three three to six months of, I think, doing a handful of migrations from and to the platform and with using the platform. I, gosh, yeah, I agree with them. I agree with you on being negative on SiteGround. Yeah, it's. It's interesting because we might have some people who are listening who are like, why are you saying this? I love my site crowd. It's great. I've right. had great support. And that totally. could be the case. You know, a lot of people we, never have to touch their hosting support and never have a problem. 
we had somebody with that message about GoDaddy in our yeah. group like yesterday. Yeah. I was like, you're the only person I've heard from in the last decade that hasn't had bad results from GoDaddy. But, yeah. And then I was like, have you checked your cost yeah. <laughs> and compared it to an, an actual competitor? Yeah. Okay. Um, what else do we, we want to go into tools or? I think we should real quick. I think All just right. like the tools you need to evaluate these platforms. Um, yeah. And you should try these, like we said, on the uh, platform demos themselves, normally like Squarespace or Pixie Set or whatever, we'll have a demo of an example site. Um, or look at third-party designers that have created sites built upon that uh, platform to see if they have any demos. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I think you should always look at real photographers' websites using that platform. And you can typically like search Facebook groups to find examples, um, search the designers' portfolios. Although when you do that, sometimes it's cherry-picked to like, here's the site that they spent a ton of time on, and it's not an example that's going to be replicative of like, the average site from their themes or templates. Um, but anyways, look at a lot, look at a basket of sites, mm -hmm. run them through page speed insights. Just see like generally, are they performing well on both desktop and mobile? Mm -hmm. Are there any issues from accessibility, uh, from the t like user experience standpoint that Google can look at? Um, I would, I would then like, I think next you have, look at the Google cache. <laughs> So you can type the word cache, C-A-C-H-E, and then a colon, and then the domain. And you can look at the text-only version and the regular full web version and see how Google has rendered that content. Um, if I want to also get somewhat nerdy, I look at the Google Rich Results testing tool to mm -hmm. see how Google's rendering that. Uh, it gives you the, the ability to see how Google renders a page without having your own search, having it verified in search console. Uh, so that's kind of nice to see, to make sure that Google is able to even like understand the content. This was more of an issue like years ago when Googlebot wasn't as advanced with JavaScript handling as regular web browsers. And right. we would run into lots of issues. Which now, I mean, they use headless it's, chrome it's exactly it's and it's like the latest good. version always but like I, I, I was bringing this up to someone the other day um just because google can crawl and render the page you, you need to also consider the fact that what is crawled um in text is potentially different than the visual um yeah so what's displayed to a visitor and the way that a human interprets it visually might be different than the way that a computer um, interprets it in a crawl. Not to say that Google can't see things. Like, they could take a screenshot of the page and analyze that. In yeah. fact, they do in many cases. Um, but across a massive crawl and to the typical crawl, I don't think they're doing full processing on every no. single page. Uh, so you should just expect that they're going to do the quickest, dirtiest right. text crawl. And what are they going to exactly. see if they only do that? And that's, that, that's a point that I think people need to understand that like the, the difference between what Google can do and what they're going to do most often is, is large, right? Uh, like they can render your JavaScript, but when they're doing their 10,000 crawls of your site a week, uh, they're probably just going to look at the text. They're probably not even going to render CSS. They're probably just going to look at the base HTML to right. see if there's any changes or updates to the content. And their timeout uh, is probably going to be pretty strict. So yes. even though they can uh, run JavaScript, if your JavaScript is large, <coughs> Squarespace, <coughs> um, 
right. <laughs> you're going to run into some timeout issues where it just skips yeah. the page. And I've even seen this with uh, like the third party blogging tools, kind of like similar to narrative. If, if there's any hiccup at all with your JavaScript rendering, Google might just like not index it at all. Like right. it just, they can see it if they try, but they're not going to try. So they don't see it. <laughs> exactly. They're like, uh, we'll do it as long as you follow best practices. This is where stuff like PageSpeed Insights, <laughs> WebPage Test, GT Metrics, yeah. those things are, uh, I don't yeah. want people to get hung up on that being what makes sites rank. It, you know, faster site, no. in my opinion, is not likely to have a huge impact on your ranking practically. Um, but I think it has a huge impact on the candidacy. Like, is Google going yeah. to select your page to show in results if it, first of all, if it can't crawl it because it times out, that's a problem. And second, if it feels that it is such a poor experience that it's not something they want to show their users, it won't even be a candidate. As far as like, right. if you're already ranking on page one or page two, and you get your site to go from five seconds loading time to three seconds loading time, zero chance in my mind that's going to make a difference in your rankings. I mean, it could be wrong, yeah. but it'll be marginal. Probably it's likely. very small. Yeah. And I, I also look at like, if you're ranking and most of your traffic's mobile, what does that do to the actual user metrics? If you take your page loading time from five seconds to two or three, mm -hmm. like, do you lose like 50% less viewers that are bouncing unwilling back. to yeah just wait for your content mm -hmm. um and so i think that's, that's extremely important from a just a mobile perspective is just making sure that people quickly see content on your site that you're not just showing them a white page and hoping that they wait for 10 or 15 seconds yeah but i would uh, say like is, for most people in the united states especially in major metros yeah. especially uh, whenever i look at their websites and they they're telling me my page speed insight says i've got a 40 and they're mm -hmm. really working, worried about their, their SEO. They're like, I'm not going to be able to rank. And I look at their site on mobile and it instantly loads for me. And I'm like, right. I mean, I you're fine. it's probably it's, fine. It's probably okay. <laughs> not, it's not always that simple guys. Like yeah. this gets really technical and we don't you know, need to get into all of that. I do think that performance is something that when we think about platforms, I like to look at who are the developers and how well do they understand these things? I don't want yeah. the users to have to understand these things at all. I think the developers need to understand these things at a very uh, you know, detailed level of how browsers handle the code that they're outputting and how it's right. rendered and how Google crawls it. And, and whenever I was at WordCamp, I, I spoke with some employees of Google that work only on WordPress optimization. I was blown away that Google spends resources on hiring full-time employees whose full-time job is only to work on WordPress performance optimization. That was really cool to me that these guys are working with, they had their booth set up like specifically to try to attract WordPress plugin developers to come by and do an audit of their plugins so that they could give them tips on how to make the performance better in their plugins. Like That's, that's the kind of outreach that Google is doing in the WordPress world. Right. Um, that should well, be how it is. Like when you look at when I talk to the people at Show It about performance optimization, they're like, uh, "We don't care about that. Uh, right. Users don't care." And I'm like, <laughs> totally. "It's Squarespace." You look like you were said. You go into the forum and you look at some of these issues that people have raised, and they're like, "That actually doesn't matter." And I'm like, "You guys have no idea what you're talking about." And yeah, it's frustrating. It's not that no one there knows what they're talking about. I'm sure there are very many 
talented and you know brilliant developers at Show It and Squarespace and these other platforms. But just the, I think that's where the focus should be. You should look at how much does the platform care about this? Because even if they're not getting it perfect right now, if it's a priority, then over time it should get better. Right. Theoretically. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I think we were pretty confident in Pixie Set a year or two ago because they had a management team that was pri- or said they were like prioritizing a lot of the things we care about. I think that's potentially changed and I'm not as confident anymore, but like, I think that's what's so important is like, do the goals of the management of the platform align with your goals? Yeah. And do they understand the future of the web? Like, do they get yeah. where things are now, where things are going? I mean, browsers are changing. Have you tried Arc yet, Dylan? No, I need to. Need to get I on. Really need to get on that. I, I yeah. I'm on the Windows um, wait list, and I haven't got it yet. But um, that's just one example. There's quite a few other browsers disrupting the market right now, and that's really interesting. What is that going yeah. to look like, and are people following that? Um, okay, okay. Before we rant anymore, <laughs> a few more tools. So we talked about yeah. PageSpeed Insights, Web Page Test, GT Metrics. Check your performance. We talked about cache colon your domain, just like the site colon command that we always talk about. This one gives yep. you the ability to see what's in the Google cache, including a text-only version. Uh, what else might you use to check and see what platform is being? Yeah, this is a good question. What if yeah. you don't even know what platform a photographer is using and you want to know? How would you find out? Totally. Uh, there's a site called Built With, and it's fairly accurate. It'll show you pretty much the details of every layer of their stack that they can see from the code itself. Yeah. Built With uh, has a, a Chrome extension as well. You can yeah. just click it on a site and it will bring up their tech stack. Another one that's somewhat handy is who hosts this. Mm-hmm. I throw sites in that all the time and it, it it's a little bit hard now because so many of the like cloud server hosting providers are all just using either Google or Amazon or whatever data center or vulture or whatever. Yeah. So it just says like, Oh, it's on Google or whatever. And it's like, okay, but who's doing it? Um, so yeah, but that can be useful to know who's the host. Um, built with is great for knowing more platform details. You can also just like inspect their site, look at the source code of their website. And there's so many common, like you for show it, you'll see stuff coming from the show at CDN. Uh, from Squarespace, you'll see Squarespace CDN. For yeah, images. and in the head section of the HTML on Squarespace, yep. it'll say, this is Squarespace. Yeah, totally. And, and if it's on WordPress, at WordPress, you'll often see them using Yoast, and it'll say, this section managed by Yoast. So you can exactly. like, you can search in the inspect screen and see if you find Yoast, show yeah. it, Squarespace, Pixie Set. Those words will be in the source somewhere if they're using those platforms. Yeah, on so WordPress, I look for like WP slash content or any of those that like are common. We'll try to put a uh, screenshot uh, in the show notes. Yeah. We'll put these tools that we're mentioning and we'll try to at least give you uh, an idea of, cause I know this is hard to describe over text. Right. And a lot of you guys who are listening are probably out and about or doing something else and can't like sit at your computer and try these, but we'll try to what's, have an accompanying post that will give you some ideas. What's Webflow CDN. It, I remember it being really funny. It was like, it's like website.com or I, I, can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's really talking about, but yeah, I, I have a list of all of these factors somewhere because I built a tool that was able to tell me what platform the site is built on by looking for those. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think I had one more note and it was to, if you're really wanting to like kind of nerd out on a platform, you can search a site called uh, stack overflow, which is like a 
developer kind of social media forum thing, Q&A site, and just search it for the platform you're trying to research. So mm -hmm. search for Squarespace, and you'll see all of the issues that developers are coming across or trying to figure out. Uh, search for uh, Show It is a little bit difficult. doesn't have that much support. Uh, Pixie Set probably has none. They've probably never seen it. Right. Uh, but so in WordPress, you'll find separate things for Divi and right. Elementor and those kinds of things. Totally. Yeah, so that's going to work more for your worldwide level platforms that are large. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, that just, can be useful. That brought one thing into my mind here that we haven't really touched on here in this episode, but many of the issues that we have with platforms have some sort of workaround available. And it kind of depends on how much work you want to put in to implement that workaround. Especially yeah. I see this on Squarespace and show it um, where you have the ability to do quite a bit of customization. I mean, show it with their templating system and the ability to use the advanced blog plan and plugins. Uh, you can even do some custom WordPress development on show it. I've built custom plugins to extend the functionality of show it. Yeah, it's possible. It's right. just not necessarily friendly. I mean, um, same with same with Squarespace. You could do custom JavaScript. I think you can actually like get rid of their bundle and replace it with your own. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, you're not going to do that. Like, and the, it's funny too. We <laughs> didn't mention you mentioned Webflow here just a second ago, and we might have mentioned yeah. it at least one other time recently. But I actually love Webflow as a concept and a platform. If I'm not concerned about open source. I would say Webflow might be my number one uh, yeah. tip. Like, I shouldn't say number one because, you know, you earlier you're like, in 80 years, I don't want to be using WordPress or when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> and, and I know <laughs> you went through a phase be. like yeah. five years ago even when, yeah. when we first started talking, you're like really getting into static site uh, generators. Totally. Yep. Um, and and that, that space is still ripe. Like there's still, I believe, going to be some tools that we see here over the next few years that might make it way easier for the average user to use some tools that are brand new or have been around but haven't edge. been user friendly and you know the no code movement that's what what made me think of uh webflow it's just like the the ability to connect to various apis and generate full um you know the the course you have uh, started recently yeah, about totally. like all the dynamic um our generative seo and things like that yeah Webflow is pretty popular for those kinds of things. It really so, is. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I don't know why, why I got onto that or where we were. Man, I've got like so many more ideas because <laughs> so now thoughts. I'm thinking through. Um, I had another idea about uh, a comment about show it. And it's like, I don't know, we'll have to follow this up. I would love to see a conversation happening around this. Um, yeah. So we're going to, we're going to make sure that this episode has a um, blog post that goes along with it. That'll have a comment section. And I really do. I know we say this sometimes in our podcast pages don't usually get very many comments, but I really encourage you to ask questions in this comment section and we will try our best to moderate and answer those questions. And if you have new platforms that we haven't talked about here, I know we didn't like go over all the platforms. Maybe in future episodes, we'll kind of use this framework that we talked about to analyze specific platforms and to talk about some of those specific workarounds and things like that. I feel like this is a long conversation that can be we've already gone over an hour here in this <laughs> you know beginning step but I, i'm just wanting to bring more data to the conversation i want to look at what's why do we believe what we believe right what's important what are the values that we're trying to promote and who are the people who should agree with us and 
who are the people who might not agree with us and what might they find to be the best option? We yeah. want to help anyone who's trying to take ownership of their website and be a better webmaster, website owner. Um, and so anything we can help you with, let us know in the comments um, how you would like us to take this conversation in the future. Let us know and I hope we'll keep it going. I like that. Yeah, we'll look out for the next episodes to maybe dive into some individual platforms. But for now, uh, check out the course if you're wanting to take it to the next step. And I, I, I do want it to be known that we we do support all of the platforms in our course, and we we try to be as helpful as possible and find people or find workarounds for issues that pe people are coming with or find solutions. Yeah, like the um, platform specific sections we talked about. I know I mentioned it earlier, but the course has lessons for Show It, Squarespace, WordPress, Pixie Set. Um, yeah. In WordPress, Yoast, and SEO Press as SEO plugins. All of those, we have specific videos and tutorials about how to set all of those settings. Um, and in the uh, course community, we are constantly answering questions about um, Show It and Squarespace. And Dylan and I actually know those platforms pretty <laughs> well. Um, like we do use them all the time and help people with them on, all the time. So, you know, if you have yeah. questions about those things and you want help with them, we are certainly not going to say no. We don't pressure people very often to move platforms unless they are telling us, I want to do this specific thing. And we look at their platform and we tell them it's probably not going to be possible or the cost or effort is going to be prohibitive. You should right. consider changing now. That does happen sometimes, yeah. but that's and not I, the typical thing that we don't push I, people to change platforms. But we do have I, a lot of WordPress support. I will say yeah. a lot of stuff in our community right now. Many of our students have decided to use WordPress, Cadence, um, you know, some right. of the like Sightsee and StyleCloud are really popular right now among our students. And um, it's a pretty fun. Uh, it's fun to help people with those things. So if that's you, yeah. we also want you there for that. Totally. I think I think. We're dragging this on, but I think we've we've realized how much we know how much work it is to change platforms, and we don't take that lightly. I no. don't, I don't think people should just like scrap what they have and start over without having like a, a, a reason or or have to take the undertaking of switching platforms without, uh, knowing it's the right decision for them. So we, we definitely only recommend that in in certain cases. Awesome. Well, awesome. I guess that wraps it up for today, and we'll see you on the next episode. See you later, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by our very own SEO course. SEO can be difficult to learn and implement on your own and troublesome to hire out. To fix this, we've created a course that walks you through the steps to optimize your own site from start to finish. Visit fuelyourphotos.com to learn more.